Welcome to SKUcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs in the promotional products industry. SKUcast shines a light on our industry's best work, features maverick personalities, and discusses what's really involved in running a modern promotional products business. SKUcast is the official podcast of Common SKU. Stephen Musgrave is the Executive Vice President at Genumark, the largest Canadian-owned distributor and one of the largest in North America. Genumark has been recognized as one of Canada's best-managed companies, is a 13-time Priya Image Award recipient, and was honored as one of Counselor Magazine's best places to work. With its 42,000-square-foot sales and distribution facility and over 100 full-time employees, Genumark serves over 2,500 active accounts. Prior to merging with Genumark, Stephen was the Executive Vice President of Sales at Rightsleeve and under his leadership received numerous industry awards, including a PPAI Web Award, Counselor's Best Places to Work, and PPPC Awards. As a musician and artist, Stephen brings a unique perspective to the business, developing a wide array of improvisational creative solutions for his customers while building a bold, imaginative team in one of the most respected distributor companies in the industry. And now, Canada's elite team of pros at Genumark have made a major expansion into the U.S., recruiting one of the industry's most revered sales leaders, Johanna Gottlieb, who is now Genumark's Vice President of Business Development. Today, we talk with Stephen about this U.S. expansion and how values played a crucial role in recruiting one of the most sought-after talents in the biz. Plus, Stephen breaks down a tactical sales tip for newbies or seasoned pros called the 531 rule, a concept he coined and shared at SKU Camp in Austin, resulting in one of the most practical and inspiring sessions of the event. Hi friends, I'm Bobby Leehu, Chief Content Officer at Common SKU. Hey, before our chat with Steven, you might heard the news that SKUCon, our signature event held in Las Vegas on January 14th, is 95% sold out. Now, if you haven't heard about SKUCon, it's the perfect all-day experience for you and your team to come connect with other like-minded pros, learn, and be inspired to kick off your brand new year in 2024. Join Denise Tashro, Danny Rosen, Jonathan Isaacson, Jeremy Lott, and Joey Coleman, author of the book, Never Lose a Customer Again, plus even more inspiring and challenging talks. But be sure to grab those last tickets today before they're gone. I hope to see you there. Today's episode is brought to you by CommonSkew, the work from anywhere platform that powers your connected workflow, enabling you to process more orders and dramatically grow your sales. To learn more, visit commonskew.com. Now here's my chat with Steven. As I mentioned in the intro, congratulations on your recent partnership with Johanna Gottlieb. Wow. What a, what an incredible partnership. Now I'm, I want to ask a few questions about this because I want to help those that are listening that might be trying to hire top talent or recruit top talent. So let's talk a little bit about Genumark and Johanna. So what made Genumark appealing for Johanna in this particular role? I mean, I, I hope a lot of things. Um, mm. I think we, we talk a lot about, it always sounds cheesy when I say it like this, but we talk a lot about being big enough to matter and small enough to care for our clients. We're yeah, large enough I to like have that, the resources of any of the biggest companies in our industry, but we're still small enough mm. that you as a client matter to us. You can, we're family owned business, so you can talk to the CEO of our, of our company if you want to, like it's, it's, you know, we're focused on you like we're a small company with the resources of a big company. That's yes. a thing we think is really valuable to our relationships with our customers. 
And that puts us in a spot where she can come in and, and have those resources that she's used to from working in a big company, but be able to make a really big difference. You know, she's, yeah, yeah. she's, a, she's a star wherever she goes, but she's going to yeah, be really important true. at our company, especially like we've been, we've been quietly working behind the scenes to set ourselves up to head into the U the U S we we've had an employee in the U S for a bit, but that's somebody on our team that, that had moved there, but this is our first big, like lying in the sand, we're coming for you, America moment. And, <laughs> and, and like I said, I think she's in a, in a spot with our company to make a, a really big difference for, for what the future of Genumark looks like. Well, I wanted to talk more about that Genumark US expansion yeah. because that obviously is a part of this. What made Johanna, and let's just call her Joe from now on, which everybody does and you do, but, but let me, let me a sidebar. I want to mention Johanna is one of the most respected professionals in the industry, and that is no hyperbole. She has, she has been so instrumental in Promo Kitchen. She is so revered and looked up to. What made Johanna an ideal colleague in addition to this just being a reach into the U.S.? I mean, she's a killer salesperson. Like, right. that's, that's yeah. something you it, want. But beyond that, she, like, there feels like a lot of value alignment. Yeah. You know, we, we got our B Corp certification this year and a lot of people think, cool, they're into sustainability, but there's as many questions and as much time dedicated in that exhausting B Corp application to how you treat your people and how you work in, in yeah, like good point. diversity, equity, and inclusion and spaces like that. That's a big part of it. It's really important to our company and it's back, back to the cheesy saying big enough to matter, small enough to care. I would say yeah. the third thing is that, and this is what we care about as we like move into this, this ESG era of our company with the B Corp certification. And Johanna's an amazing salesperson who has a ton of experience and would be valuable and, and fit in well, I'm sure at, at any company. But I think with this direction we're headed in around, like I said, being, being a little bit more values driven, she's, yeah. she's, she's big, as big on that as she is on making great products for amazing clients. So I think yeah. that, that, that was the most exciting, like part of this, this conversation for me is that opportunity yeah. to get, we're, we're trying to hire around our core values first and hard skills second. And she checks every core values box we have. Yeah, I, uh, And I then the hard that. skills are there to, to, to back it up. This adventure into the u.s um from a very traditional canadian company was this a move also do you have and this is my ignorance i just don't know do you have a lot of u.s clients that have this pressure you have this difficulty of selling in canada versus u.s or what are some of the other things that are, obviously then just it's a robust market what are mm -hmm. some of the other things that made y'all think it's time for us to open in the u.s robust market is a big part of the decision we don't have a lot of u.s clients that are pushing us uh, okay. to do this. We want to expand with new US clients. I, in my, in my early days of my career at Right Sleeve, I would tell clients that uh, my specialty was working with the Canadian office of, of US-based tech companies because the US-based tech companies don't care enough about their Canadian office. So I'm your guy on the ground in Toronto getting you, et cetera, et cetera. That's a big part of my, my sales pitch. So we do have a lot of Canadian clients that are parts of larger US entities that we'd love to work with the US side and haven't as much, but ultimately there's a lot of opportunity in the US is, you know, anytime I have worked on clients, a sing single client on both sides of the border, 
just like our population count, the sales are usually about 10 times bigger in the US than they are in Canada. Right. Just much more opportunity. Yeah. But beyond that, we're, we have a tremendous amount of expertise. Like I, I don't, we're not just slapping logos on things. We've got some pretty, some pretty big niche. Sorry, we're, we're coming to the US. We've got some big niche sales. <laughs> sales areas. Thank you for that. We work in, like we, we do a lot of work <laughs> in the sports space. We do a lot of, we're, we're, I'd, I'd say the best in the entire industry at doing uniforms and we're great at summer camps like that, that some yeah. of those kind of niche industries that we, we focus on. We just have, I think, expertise beyond anybody else. And we've been yes. holding that up in Canada. It's time to, to let it spread out a little more. And ultimately U S suppliers have a harder time selling in Canada. It's been a boon to us for years. That's why I was so successful with all those tech companies. Mm. They have a harder time selling in Canada because it's a small market and they haven't taken the time to learn how to sell in Canada. But yeah, we're sitting up here in little old Canada and a lot of the stuff we have to do for our clients has to come from the States anyway. So the nature of our business required us to be able to work well on both sides of the border, whereas U.S. Yeah. companies don't. So now we're just in a position to be a truly North American option for, for people because we're already, we're already good at this. We just haven't been telling Americans about it as much. So this makes a lot of sense because on one hand, Joe, to oversimplify things, Joe is an incredible hunter salesperson, right? But she's mm -hmm. also obviously incredible at taking care of clients. At SKU Camp, you shared one of the most popular talks and people raved about it. You said that most companies are not doing nearly enough to work to build business with the clients they already have. And that's the work of the farmers. And your whole presentation was on sort of the underappreciated role of the farmer in the business. Now you distinctly are hiring both hunters and farmers, but mm -hmm. for those that are listening, maybe they're fairly new to the business. What's the difference between a, a farmer, a hunter, and then just an order taker? Yeah. So the, I mean, the, the hunters are doing the exact thing we were just talking about us doing in the U S there knocking on doors they're trying to bring in new business they're getting the doors slammed in their faces and then they're knocking on another one you know that we all know yeah. that idea of a salesperson and then order takers are the people sitting in your office or at their homes depending on how you're handling the post pandemic world just like people want to buy shirts they say what shirts do you want to buy send me your yeah. i'll put it on I, which, I which like by the, the way, most of us think we're salespeople when we do that, but that's not really what that is. Yeah, we're, we're, I mean, and, and, and doing that well, I don't even have a lot of shade to throw at that's good. order takers. Yeah. It's a hard, yeah. it's a hard, anybody, anybody that does hasn't like been refreshing a tracking number on a Friday afternoon at 430. <laughs> <laughs> just, get, just getting it right. I love well, your perspective. It is hard. Yeah, it is hard okay. to get right. There's a lot of things yes. to manage, a lot of moving parts. It is a very difficult Great job great point but i see this this space in the middle when at, at skew camp i was talking about farmers of teaching your order takers these moments when they're taking orders to act ask better questions and think more strategically to grow the business with the client that you're talking to and to yeah. take advantage of this relationship you have there's already some trust in you they're buying things from you but how do you build the relationship more and provide more value to them through asking better questions and fitting those into kind of a bigger strategic plan for how you want to grow that client. 
so now it's like we have these three layers. We have hunters, farmers, and then we have the order takers, which could be under production, which those roles, as you mentioned and corrected me, were are very valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how do we get, but how do we get order takers, folks that are order takers to become farmers? You shared something about the 531 rule. Can yeah. you talk about how in your organization you try to take folks that are in an order taking role and you want to elevate their experience with the client to include more of a proactive selling approach? Yeah. So I, I, a bunch of people talk to me about the five, three, one rule. Actually, there's probably some people at our company that are listening to this right now. And I would be like, I don't know what he's talking about, but when I start to talk <laughs> about it, you'll know what it is. I, 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 as I started planning things out for my skew camp talk, I was like, if you do like, now I have like a five dash three dash one with a little TM after it. Yeah. Um, you had, yeah. Uh, you had to code it. Yeah. You had yeah, to codify yeah. it. Right. For a talk you had people to that have worked it. with me for years are like, Oh yeah, this old, this old thing he's talking about. So that's the idea that in these, in these transactions, there's three, I mean, there's lots of types of questions you can ask, but if you think of three types of core questions, the first being things you need to do to build the product that the client's talking to you about, I need water bottles here on this date at this time with this artwork on it. There's like the five questions you need to ask. I basically just said them, what do you need? When do you need it? Where do you need it? How many do you need? And how much are you looking to spend? You got to ask those questions or you can't really process the order on any level. So ask all five of them every single time, obviously. But the next section I'd call the next type of question, I'd say is questions to build value. And that's those questions about the product that you don't need to ask to get the water bottles to the place on time. But the questions that might make you not send water bottles and send something that might be a little easier to hand out or more effective. And those are the types of questions about like, tell me more about the event. What's it all about? Tell me who you're giving this to, what you want them to think or what you want them to feel when they get it. Like any types of questions like that, that go beyond the boring, like technical details of the product and help us create that connection moment that we're supposed to when some of what we make gets given out. Uh, And you should ask at least three of those in every single project. There's a million you could ask, but try to take the time to ask at least three things that add more value every project. And then the last section after build a product and build values to build relationships. We're, everybody says we're a relationship business, but like what is building a relationship with a client? It's, it's finding out more about them and showing that you care about them. So you're making shirts for them, like find out some strategic information about the client that helps you understand their organization better, like its structure, its size, their team, their role, anything that helps you kind of dive deeper into the person you're working with or the company you're working with so that you can like think about that in the next project and ask better questions next time. And you should ask one of those questions Every single time you're talking to somebody about a new project, I don't care if it's a client that sends you 10 new projects a day, be interested and be curious and ask them a question beyond what art they want on the shirts every single time. So you just ask five questions, three questions, and one question each time. What I also love about that is we know how we work with a lot of the same clients over and over and over. I love how you're actually would be training your client to sort of expand on when they give you a project. So eventually that relationship can look like them giving you that detail before you have to ever even, ever even ask. Yeah. I, I, I used to say this to, to Catherine Graham back in her old, her old right sleeve days that I thought, (laughs) 
I always find one of our biggest challenges is our competitors and not because they're beating us in the marketplace. It's because I start to ask people these questions and they'll be like, why are you asking me this? Companies like you yeah. don't ask us stuff like this. I'm like, well, we should. <laughs> like, don't you just want to know my address? I'm like, no, I want to know. I want to know what makes you get out of bed in the morning, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, yeah. that's weird. Like it's, it's hard to get people to open up at first, but the more regularly you work with contacts that you have, the more they see that you're actually curious, the more they open up. And yeah, you work with a client for years and they start sending you the, the vibrant beating heart of the conference they're going to in the first email. Right. And then they're like, oh yeah, there's like a thousand people there. And like, this, like you know, <laughs> well, it's really hard to find, it's really hard to qualify who works really well in this business and who's going to work out in this business. There are tactical things you can do there, but the psychographic of who does well in this business is, has to be a large part of it has to be curiosity. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a, that's a big part of it. Yeah. The, that's I'll, I'll, I'll jump back in for a second. You yeah. know, in, in, in that skew camp talk, I had 20 minutes. So when I first wrote it, it was like an hour and a day. <laughs> so I had to cut it down. <laughs> All right. I talk a lot, Bobby. I had to <laughs> cut it down to 20 minutes. And one of the things we didn't get to talk about a lot is I'm not going to say that five, three, one rule easy peasy. Anybody that's taking orders at your company is going to think like this. And I have this. I'm, what I'm going to say to you is, when you're hiring people to work at your company, hire the types mm -hmm. of people that would naturally ask those questions. Yeah. See what questions so ask good. you in the interview. <laughs> Do yeah. they have That's any? So good. If they don't, right. they're probably just going to take their work and put it on the water bottle and be done with it. If you yeah. want to hire people that are going to be farmers, you like need to look for people who are naturally curious. Yeah. At Right Sleeve, you grew up in a farming environment. So I mentioned in the intro, Daniel Mark and Right Sleeve and that relationship and, and the merger and all that. What were some of the farming type tactics that led to growth in that environment? Like with marketing as a priority, sales goals, margins, if you had to narrow down your success, since you basically ran a business with nothing but farmers, if I'm right, mm -hmm. what were some of those like key tactics that sort of helped you grow the business with that type of person in the role. Those things you did a lot of tactical things like quarterly reviews and where are you at with the client and growth like that and margin yeah. goals and all those kinds of things. What was that rhythm like? A lot of times it would vary on, on individual reps because some people need more. Some people take to this more naturally than others. Right now I'm pushing us towards a, a cycle where we have quarterly client growth plans that are stored right in the client profile in common skew. So we can have, like, if you're thinking about the, the five, three, one rule, the idea of the client growth plan is like this quarter, we want to do this. It's like a mission statement for the quarter of where we want to see the relationship get. It's the types of build relationship questions we want to get answers to that we don't know. Like we have a conversation, we dive into the client a bit, look at where the relationship is come up with some of those questions so that the people that less less naturally have them come to mind when they're when they're in the moment like we're laying them out before and all they have to do is remember like oh yeah i am trying to find out like how many people are on the marketing team whatever whatever the the question yeah. is and then we have a section with like some proactive things that we want them to do in the next quarter that are not just processing an order yeah Stat status them as growth plans. And then I can just, you know, like they, they can be accountable to themselves and go work on those growth plans. And, and if they're 
really busy and finding a hard time being proactive and any minute their boss might be like, let's take a look at your, how your growth plans are going. We're trying to set, I want to set them quarterly, review them sporadically throughout the quarter and tie them into, to annual plans. I'm big at setting sales targets for clients like numbers, but these are relationship plans that tie back to how to hit the numbers we want to hit and how those two things yeah. work together. It's timeless and it, it's going to sound a little pedantic, but that 90 day goal, like those breaking mm -hmm. that year up into quarters is so powerful. And you know, in the SaaS business, we use, we use OKRs for our quarterly goals and measurement. And then we're, of course, we're an EOS models, company, you know, we're not yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah, werewolves yeah. and vampires, you know, we're like not the same thing, <laughs> but like we kind of, we're closely like. Yeah. You love your contrast. You love your contrast. I love that. The EOS use rocks, but I, it's so vital. Like it's so vital. Yeah. Otherwise as a, in this business, because you can grow or you can drop clients so quickly, you don't, mm -hmm. it gives us something to aim at, but that 90 day goal to me is such a, it's, it can be a little bit of pressure, but it's also far better to have that than it is some annual unrealistic goal that you can't even put your hands around. Yeah, that's that's the some of the idea of this. Even I just did one of these deep dive sessions and built out a client growth plan with one of the like, man, she's been around for like six years now, so she's not that new. And the and the in the in the perspective of of Genumark, where that Genumark tenure is, yes, is a, right. is a a decade, and we have lots of people who have been here over twenty five years. She's pretty new, yeah. and we were going through talking about how this year she's going to do. Seventy thousand dollars with this client, but next year she wants to do one hundred and thirty. And I'm like, I don't want you coming into January thinking, all right, January first, let's go get one hundred and thirty thousand dollars. I want you going into the quarter thinking, what small things do I need to do that make a difference in doing my yes. work? Absolutely. How is this? How can I make this bite size so it's not overwhelming, and I'm not scrambling and dropping the ball on it? And 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 also, I'm trying to ensure that the questions we're asking and the things we're doing are adding value to the work we're doing for the client. They're not like sleazy yeah. sales things we want to find out or tricks we want to yeah. do. We're like, what can we actually do to be a better company and a better partner for our clients to grow them? Very tactical things you can measure as a leading indicator versus a lagging indicator, mm -hmm. because I, I was always stuck in lagging measurements and that was not helpful. All right. Let's use our last uh, five minutes here to talk about one of my favorite subjects. Let's talk about Steven from managing director at right sleep to now executive vice president of sales and marketing. What really has been one of the biggest lessons you've learned embracing this role? Cause you're, you're director over one of the largest sales forces and one of the largest distributors in North America. What have you learned? Do we need four more hours for that or can you <laughs> encapsulate what your biggest lesson was in this? It's weird because uh, like my head is immediately going to one that I'm in the middle of yeah, learning. Hear it. Okay. Because <laughs> being, being at a, a small company with a small team is very different than, you know, I, I spent the first 10 years of my career in, in a room every day, a room, if you've ever been, some of you have been to the right sleeve office, it's a 4,500 yes. square foot room with 20 people in it like shoulder to shoulder calling people about their promotional product needs every day. It's easier to like manage by walking around and people learning yeah. from each other naturally rent this open concept space. And, and there's lots of room to just like work with people one-on-one -on -one as individuals. And now I've got people spread out. I was going to say all over the country, all over the countries 
with an S, <laughs> you know, and, it, and it's right. finding these, these ways to build out support that gets to people, systemize things a little more and make it so that our whole team can, can grow and, and be effective is yeah. a work in progress. Yeah. <laughs> like of me, that. yeah, me expanding, yes. expanding my skill set and the company approach to be able to to handle the large sales team we have as we we prep to significantly increase the size of our sales force over the next few years. Yes. Yeah, that that's a big thing for me is we could have probably not make any changes and keep being a really successful company for the next bunch of years, but this this expansion into the states and my hunger for growth and our still relatively new CEO, Mitch Fried's ex- like hunger for growth. We're yeah. looking to, to build out a much larger organization and we need a lot more systems in place to help make that effective. So I'm trying to figure out how to like get that cute little je ne sais quoi of right sleeve like at scale. Yeah, I hear that. Last two questions for you. About Steven, you've always had this incredible marketing mind, very creative mind. Where do you find inspiration? Like what brands do you follow? What are you into that inspires you that's sort of like tangentially related or not even related at all to our business? I like, I'm really into, to design. I don't think as I, I don't get inspired by people's marketing strategies as much as how beautiful things are. So I don't know. Like, it's not, it's not exactly what you're asking. I just like, an, I'm obsessed with interior design the last few years. Yeah. I want to, I want to have some answer about like this really powerful brand that everybody knows that like their marketing's just top notch. But I just look at Matilda Goad's Instagram all the time and dream about giant clamshell bowls that are handmade. And ceramics. <laughs> like I just, I love it. I love, I think, I think our industry gets very focused on product and new product innovations, but like the real value and power that we bring is marrying amazing product with beautiful design. So I tend to focus on the beautiful design part in my, my personal life. That's that's a big lesson in itself for us. What's the last question? What's one book, podcast, episode, movie, album experience that you've had that has had the most impact on you and it doesn't have to be business related. Can I give you two, but I'll try and keep them quick. Yes. This is from when I was really young. I remember hearing the album Less Talk, More Rock by Propagandi, who are a Canadian punk band, and hearing them mention Small Town Canada and the lyrics and being really surprised. I was like a young kid in Small Town Canada who liked punk and listening to this band on this big California record label uh, and opening my eyes to like, oh my God, they're from where I'm from. Not exactly, but, you know, kind of similar experiences. And it really made me dig more into like their lyrics and think about how the the lyrical content of the music and their political ideas fueled the music. They're poppy. They're angry. Like there are a whole bunch of things all at once and their lyrics are funny and serious at the same time. You said before, I like contrast, like this is really about like this juxtaposition of these far opposite sounds and, and feelings. But then also I'm mentioning it because my talk at SKU camp was a vegetarian's guide to promo sales. And that's, the album that has a song about animal rights that first made me go like, hmm, what's this about? When I was a teenager and it took me a few years to really come around to it, but now I've been vegetarian for like 23 years. So it's a, it's a core 
piece of art that changed the direction of my entire life. That's amazing. And Me then, too, which... and then more on more on point. I'm really into is it Infinite Mindset or the Infinite Game? The Simon Sinek book about infinite mindsets from the last couple of years. I heard mm. him on a podcast talking about it about people with infinite mindsets versus people with finite mindsets who look at things that have an end date and a winner and a loser and set yeah. rules and players. And I'm not that kind of person. <laughs> Everything's infinitely expanded in front of me. The rules are always changing. And it really helped me understand a lot of people I work with and how mm. we think about things differently and help me relate to people a little differently. So Simon Sinek, his work on infinite mindset in the last couple of years has been really interesting. It's awesome. Steven, thank you, my friend. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for that amazing talk at SKU Camp and uh, congratulations with the partnership with you and Joe. And we wish you all the best. Thanks for having me on to chat. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of SKUcast. Be sure to keep up with our latest content by subscribing to SKUcast on iTunes or to our blog at community.commonskew.com. Until next time, friends, thanks so much for listening. Thank you.